keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Out full of suffering, suck attached, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And your teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killings. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts. I am your host, Dan St. Germain. I'm here with Robert and Mike. Scott's going to be joining us shortly. Zach, as always, thank you, everybody, who tuned in for the Jericho Roast. Uh, it was uh, one of our most listened-to episodes yet. Robert, how are you doing? Uh, I can't complain. Yeah. Yet. The- we haven't gotten to Dynamite. We are we are calling our fans the Jericho Roast Appreciation Society from now on. Uh, we we will have a lot to talk about with the uh, Jer- first first promo of Jericho's new heel heelist character, the, maybe the heeliest heel he's played. Yeah. Um, but next week we're going to be doing the roast of Drew McIntyre, March twenty fifth, uh, April eighth. We got the roast of Roman Reigns, April twenty second. The roast of Becky Lynch. Please join our YouTube. Uh, leave a five-star review become a patron we've got the best patron uh deal five dollars you get you know basically three extra shows a month for for ten dollars you get like seven or eight extra shows a month if not more than that join the uh wrestle roast facebook group follow wrestle roast twitter we got our live show coming up people have been buying buying tickets for that so uh that's going to be the night of the hall of fame it's going to be at 10 p.m., so you'll be able to watch the Undertaker induction right afterwards. And uh, this week, if you're a patron, we're going to be doing Lucha Underground. Next week, we're going to be doing World's Weirdest Fighting Styles. Week after that, we're doing WrestleMania 3 Watch Along. And then the roast of the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar. But very and then sad our funerals. Yes, yeah, sad. Very, yeah, he's going to give a shit. Uh, very sad news this week. Uh, the bad guy, Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott Hall of The Outsiders, passed away uh, from complications uh, from hip replacement surgery. So we're going to do a bright side of Scott Hall with no roast. Um, and we're going to we're going to go into what we loved about Scott. I, I guess I'll just start out with kayfabe accomplishment. I just, you know, I just want to say that uh, they say that uh, three Heart attacks took him out, but I could have taken him out in one. I, just, I will definitely be bringing up Brett later in the show. Brett, Brett had better, an all-time. Or else I'm going to be really pissed. I am the bright side of everyone's life. I also You're love bright. that because it's St. Patrick's Day, you're doing Irish Brett Hart today. So that's uh, that's fun. You know, the fact that I'm not good at talking makes this an even more accurate Brett Hart impression. Yes. The Blarney Stone was hard to carry, but not as hard as Sid. And I... <laughs> I got a four-star match out of him. It's St. Patrick's Day, so let me tell you why I'm a better wrestler than Finley. <laughs> oh, we'll be getting to Finley's son later in the show. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> I, I was like, Dave Finley? I don't think we're covering New Japan. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's start out with Cape Fabe uh, accomplishments. 
We've uh, Scott Hall, Pro Wrestling Illustrated match and tag team of the year, TNA World Tag Title, WCW TV title, two times, two time United States champion, seven time WCW World Tag Team champion, winner of World War III, four time WWE Intercontinental champion, two time WWE Hall of Fame, and Wrestling Observer match of the year and Wrestling Observer best gimmick of the year. Very decorated guy. Never won the world title, which uh, he's in that conversation of greatest wrestlers to have never won the world title, along with Jake the Snake. And I mean, I guess Roddy won a world title somewhere else, so that doesn't count. But he's usually in that conversation as well. Mr. Perfect. Um, Robert, did you ever get to work with Scott Hall? Sadly, no. Um, we uh, we want this is bright side. I'm just going to kind of preface this here because we're going to get into the the nitty gritty of Scott. But when uh, when I was doing MLW, uh, Scott had a, a very uh, strong relationship with with MSL, who was one of our producers and lives in the Orlando area. And we talked about using Scott. But unfortunately, we we filmed in a, in a nightclub that had an active bar. And it, it was at a time where there was a little bit of concern of if we bring him in and we're, we're shooting with him and we're putting him in a bar. And even he's like, yeah, that's probably not the best environment for me. So unfortunately, uh, I never got to I never got to work with Scott. You know, an amazing, amazing fact about Scott Hall never competed in a Royal Rumble. He was Shit. yeah at the event. He was he was at the event. He did yeah. matches with Goldust and Jeff Jarrett. He actually lost the IC title on both occasions. But oh, he, he never challenged Brett in '93, but never once was he in an actual Rumble. It's just crazy. That's weird. Do you guys think that if he had stayed, if he hadn't jumped ship, he could have been world champ? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think uh, given how how tenuous Michaels was as champion at that point in time. If you would have turned Scott Hall heel and built him up as a, a heel challenger to, to Sean, and uh, if you know, I think that he absolutely would have been a viable guy to be world champion for them. I just don't think he needed it. Like, whenever people like mention, you know, Jake or or DiBiase or or him or or Piper and WWF are perfect, it's like, yeah, they didn't win the 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 world championship, but they always had a substantial role in the company. And it's like, when you look at like the last God, 15 years of the amount of people that have won championships that still you can't say are even close to um, as memorable as those guys. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. I mean, you know, it's like for a lot of years, they, you know, the, the world championship was a part of like an overall strategy of who are we marketing to? And then you have the underneath guys that just added to that marketing. So it's like Brett really helped with the international stuff, you know, and it's like Razor was right there with them. I mean, I, I, I think I can't speak to the NWO stuff as much as everybody other than that. I can respect the fuck out of its significance. It's incredible. It's important, and I think without the NWO, obviously, um, I think that he's not in that upper, upper echelon, but with it, he is. You know, he is the guy that goes. I mean, I, I think, you know, you said kayfabe accomplishments, but genuine biggest accomplishment is the guaranteed contracts, him and Nash. I think that's the most important thing to happen in wrestling in the 90s, probably, if you ask me. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for for the wrestlers, absolutely. Um, he, he, I, I think that uh, his the beginning of the NWO is is probably the greatest angle of all time. Like the first couple months, and yes, I mean, I think we forget about that because you know it became so convoluted. Uh, even though, like, when the Wolfpack came out, people were really into that. I remember, like, you know, like, all the kids in the yard who, you know, ended up growing out of becoming wrestling fans. They were all NWO Wolfpack guys. Um, so I, I do think that there's – that that storyline was fantastic. They just, you know, they just they just got too much from it, you know. Eventually it got – it got too old and, and they get, and, and honestly, it, it maybe it could have even lasted longer if they didn't, you know, have 30 people in the NWO. But yeah, but the, the problem was makes, they, they didn't have a, uh, they didn't have it mapped out. It was a great yeah. germ of an idea. And then it became, well, we'll figure it out down the road. And they never bothered to figure it out because to, to Mike's point, Hall had a guaranteed contract and, and, and Nash had a guaranteed contract. And, and what that meant to the business was, up until that point, especially in WWF, it was eat what you kill. You got a very minimum. You got paid, I think, 150 bucks for doing TV. And then you had your your downside for, for certain events. For, for But that was very, very low. You had no idea what you were going to make. And it was based on how the houses were doing. So you had a vested interest in making the show better because you needed butts and seats so you could actually make real money. And most of those guys made a lot of money, but you had to work 300 days out of the year. Hall knew if I go to WCW, where they, they, hey, we're going to pay you X. You show up for one day, you show up for 52 weeks, you wrestle, you don't wrestle, doesn't matter. You have guaranteed money coming in, which is kind of how most businesses operate at a certain level, but not the wrestling world. And the NWO was a great germ of an idea and a great merchandise moneymaker but after a little while hall and nash gamed the system and realized maybe we don't need to main event every show and we don't need to go out there and wrestle for 20 25 minutes we can just kind of do a, a three minute uh, fuck around in the ring uh promo and we're getting paid the same amount of money he also was i think he's a guy that if he had he had sobered up um like he's the one who came up with the sting crow gimmick you know he, he would have been pretty good on wwe creative if that's you know you know if his demons kind of didn't get in the way of that, I, I think he actually could have been great. Well, the Sting Crow gimmick always was awesome when he first started. You know, well, like, just look at like, that guy. you just look at like the Razor character, right? Like you know he was the Diamond Stud. He had a tag team with you know Hennig. I mean, and I don't I don't know if you guys have seen the Russell Rock Rumble music video. Yes. Uh, they are highlights. They they walk out of a pool shirtless and they look fucking awesome. Um, rapping, they rap together. It, it rules. Uh, Nick Bockwinkle somehow has the best flow on the whole thing. It's highly recommend uh, YouTubing the Russell Rock Rumble. But yeah, then he goes into the WWF, and you know people often say the whole thing of like, well, you know, you become a cartoon character there or whatever. Like, you know, uh, to to use a timeless phrase. He controlled his own narrative a little bit. He, he he came with the cartoon character. He pitched to Vince what his gimmick should be. You know, I want to be Tony Montana. And Vince was too busy being Tony Montana in the 80s to know who that was. And then, like, I mean, I would love, like, to see. Can, we, uh, can I interrupt you there? 
Um, I think that Scott Hall was better at playing a Cuban than Al Pacino was. Like, I do think the Razor Ramon character was more grounded than Scarface. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I really do. Like, it was, it was, it was also like, uh, it was, it was also like one of these things where it, it wasn't as like, um, minstrelly, like, and it wasn't like the accent, like, wasn't as crazy either <laughs> no it's a lot less yelling too it's a lot a lot less stereotypical but um which is crazy when you think of wrestling but uh, but i remember yeah so it's like like the idea of him and vince just watching with with all the steak wraps and cocaine watching uh <laughs> fucking scarface this has been an amazing sight and then it's like for me you know i i always knew that wrestling like the wrestling itself was choreographed i just knew like you couldn't drop someone on their head that much but my kayfabe was selective i believe that this guy was from the same place i was born miami florida i thought he was cuban i thought yokozuna was japanese these are things i believed uh and when he joined the nwo you know and i stopped watching and i heard oh he's some guy named scott now in my mind and i realized how fucking stupid this is I thought it just meant that it was a low rent company that they were just naming, you know, Diesel and Razor, Scott and Kevin. I'm like, those are lame names. That's never going to work. <laughs> and I, it's funny. My note was I had the Yokozuna thing written down here because I'm like, I genuinely believe Scott Hall was Cuban. Yokozuna was was Japanese. Yeah. You didn't know otherwise. And I and Hall has told the story so many times on on. Uh, you know, podcasts and shoot interviews, or whatever. That Vincent Pat Patterson had never seen Scarface, so everything he was pitching that was ripoffs in the movie they thought were his ideas. Same thing with Sting with the Crow idea. It's like Scott Hall did what Dusty Rhodes did. He learned from Dusty, which is you watch movies, you rip off movies, and you put it on TV, and people are going to go nuts for it. Uh, and, and that Razor Ramon character was a cartoon. But it was a cartoon character that felt more dangerous than the other cartoon characters that were there. It was not something you really took truly seriously. But you're like, all right, this guy seems like there's something to him where he's going to do something bad. And he was never super worried about his spot. I mean, one of the first memorable things for me with him was his feud with the one, two, three kid. And that's how that's how uh, Waltman got his name was by pinning razor ramon and it was this big upset and he was willing to look foolish and and build this guy and waltman's entire career is owed to scott hall being willing to to put him over in that moment and he's responsible for so many things that propelled the industry forward it was that feud with with the one two three kid which was one of the first real monday night raw feuds that you got uh, obviously the ladder match with, with Sean and how much that changed the entire business. I, I know Brett is calling me saying he invented it and, and he had a great match in Calgary, but the, the only one that everyone actually saw, uh, Hall was part of the curtain call, which was kind of the catalyst for the attitude. Also, Hall was right about Brett before everybody else. Remember <laughs> that quote? He like went to, he was the first guy who kind of like, like, uh, let the cat out of the Brett bag when he went to Brett's yeah. house and he was like, he was like, there's just a whole room with Brett stuff all over the walls. It's like a Brett museum. Yeah, there was there was no there was no chill with Scott Hall. And then the uh, the debut during on uh, Nitro during the me and Mike Enos match uh, in his uh, denim uh, vest was 
great. I mean, for me, it was heartbreaking because I was a WWF kid and I'm like, well, now he's left and gone to the other company and I didn't watch Nitro. I wasn't a flip back and forth person. I'm like, well, now I just lost one of my favorites, but at least we still have Diesel. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's amazing too, is that like, you look at like Diesel, what, you know, when you look at fake Diesel and, and fake Razor, you know, and I, I know Rick Bogner has passed as well. Uh, so just don't play a guy named Razor Ramon, I think, is if there's one moral you can take from our show. But it's it's interesting how much more, like, phony uh, the Razor guy did, felt than the Diesel guy did. Yes. Because it's it's a tightrope. It wasn't, he wasn't an over-the-top caricature. But one of the things that I think hurt Scott, especially in WCW, was debuting and then Nash coming shortly after because Scott Hall was deceptively incredibly tall, but you never noticed it because he was always next to Nash. So he always looked, he looked like tall ish, but not like burn wanted to him, to him to be the next Hogan in AWA. Like there was talk of him being the next. You know why, right, Dan? Um, Why? Come on. Why would anybody want anybody to be the next anything? He was hotter than everybody. Yeah, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah Scott was. Hall was sexy as fuck, and everybody else looked like Earthquake. Yeah, that is true. Scott, Scott's here, everybody. Scott, Scott, uh, Scott entering with no picture, just a creepy comment if we're on a Zoom. Uh, way, Scott, Scott, what did, what Scott, did you, what uh, do you, being the next Hogan for Vern Gagne just means the next guy you're going to take way too much money off of and ask for their Japanese income. <laughs> Scott, Scott, which guy you look, plan on killing? Scott Hall is going to look great losing to Nick Bockwinkle for seven months. Yeah. yeah he was the Scott. next guy the Iron Sheik was supposed to break the leg of. <laughs> Scott, what did you love about Scott Hall? Scotty Scott. Oh, did, Scott. You, did, you guys say, uh, did you guys say best sell of a stunner? No. Oh, no, best sell of a stunner. I mean, well, he doesn't go there. to his knees, so it's definitely like the laziest way to do a stunner. But when you watch it, it looks cooler than everything. He bounces really high in the sky and lands flat on his back. It's uh, it's really impressive. I like it better than the way the Rock sells it. Rock sells it, you know, uh, really, really well. Other than that, Scott Hall. I mean, obviously, the NWO is is phenomenal. Uh, we're we're going to talk about DX a little later in a certain segment. And holy shit, is NWO much cooler than DX. Uh, and it was the whole time. It wasn't just in the late 90s. Uh, NWO, it, it's the, the thing. Dude, I grew up with WWE. You got to understand, like 2001, WCW's gone already, and I'm still a kid. And WWE acted like DX was just better than NWO when it was uh, it was a copy of it and not a very good one. Suck it, thing, you know, like which is this is controversial, but I think the the NWO, the first three guys, Hogan, Nash, and Hall, I think are better than the Horsemen. Which I know people are going to be like, "Fuck you for that," but I, I I think that those three guys together is the coolest faction of all time. Yeah, but it's it's different in the sense because here here's the thing: WCW fucking sucked when the NWO first came in. It was borderline unwatchable. And Hall, Nash, and Hogan were doing something that felt real and and cool to a degree where they wound up getting sued over it. As soon as it expanded beyond those three, as soon as it started bringing in other guys, it was watered down and it never got that back. DX felt different on, on Raw 
in that it was sort of juvenile uh, at first, but there was an edginess to that that felt like, you know, hey, we're, we're breaking kayfabe in, in a number of ways. And that was what made it work for, for them. And then eventually you got the PGDX that was borderline unwatchable, but that was years and years later. The, the Horseman comparison is tough because the original Horseman was so revolutionary for what they did. And they also became a group that got watered down and brought in guys. They probably shouldn't have like, uh, you know, bringing in Paul Roma or, uh, Keep Paul Roma's name under your mouth. Well, and, and also, okay. I mean, the horsemen, the reason the horsemen are, are the greatest is because in ring, they were also great and they gave a shit, uh, in that regard. You cannot say that about the NWO. Right. And yeah, strangely and- enough, you can't say it about, I mean, what's a good DX match. So Michael's back was hurt the whole time. You know, there's no great. Well, DX they had a, when they, when they, even though the, even though the reunion kind of stunk, they had a lot of good matches. When yeah, Hunter, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Hunter. the reunion did stink, man. The yeah, but the reunion stink. was uh, a cash grab when they were old. But the, I think, I mean, when the outlaws were were white hot at that point, you had X Pac and you had Hunter on top. They all delivered really good matches, but it elevated the entire company. The problem with the NWO is the NWO wanted to get themselves over at the expense of everybody else, and nobody ever got a chance to be the hero. And that was kind of the the downside. You created this amazing villain group and nobody really came out on top at the end. Sting to a degree. But after that Starcade 97 match, it, everything else was just like a fart in church. I mean, Goldberg was kind of like never like he, it was kind of weird because he was around during the NWO and he feuded with NWO guys. But it never felt like NWO versus Goldberg, even though that's who ended his streak. OK, um, ready to- this speaking of Goldberg, this is why I love Scott Hall. So, um, Oscar, I guess a year or two ago, uh, tweeted, I respect Goldberg so much. He is amazing. I am honored to be the undefeated champion with the longest streak in WWE history. Uh, Oscar wrote that. And then Scott Hall wrote her, you're much more talented than Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is really cool. Uh, yeah, man. I, I, you know, Scott Hall's comeback story also is, is an iconic comeback story. And despite the fact that he passed away, wow, that it was due to some type of, you know, bot, you know, you know, having heart attacks in surgery and not something uh, yeah, much I don't, more cryptic I don't know enough about medical to speak on it. You know what I mean? Like where we could have put our heads down and went like, oh, Scott Hall slipped dude, up t- again. You know, dude, but remember, it, remember that? Didn't. Remember that? Uh, remember that video from like 2014? Where like he was like falling through the entrance and shit, and we were like, "Oh, this guy's gonna be dead in like six months," and he was like alive for another eight years. Yeah, yeah. and and getting you know healthy the entire time. The, the last few times we got to see him on TV, he looked so much better than he looked uh, for years. And I mean, and that's the thing where Nash stays in shape. And, and so to be Scott Hall and to start looking good next to Nash again, that's impressive, man. He did. He did put fucking work in that was ddp right yeah uh, yeah, uh, yeah that was page uh and just uh, since we're in the doing the bright side i think it's worth mentioning in ring wise one of the best punches and the razor's edge the one finishing move nobody ever wanted to take because you really have no way of protecting yourself but he Aaron, did it in such Aaron. a way where it always looked cool and it was mostly a very very safe move to uh to do and i and i heard that the only times he would do it is if he was winning the match, he would not 
perform the razor's edge if he was going to lose the match, thus keeping the move over. Hey, wrestlers, I hope you paid attention to that sentence. You've 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 heard the thing that he says to guys about you know after he sees their finisher. No, the whole like that. Oh, so when he like you know, there's a lot of guys who tell this story. So I'm assuming he says it to a lot of young guys. But um, you know, he watches a guy's match and they come to the back and he goes, "Hey, that's a really cool finisher." I can't wait to kick out of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is fucking awesome. Yeah, RJ City posted uh, that he asked Scott Hall, "Hey, when's intermission?" And he said, "Your match." <laughs> I have I because I asked our our Twitterverse. We're not doing like a, a jokey thing this week. I just asked for people to send their memories if they were personal or just you know. And a lot of them are are saying uh, you know a lot of the moments we said but uh, this guy mike ellis 1978 this is a great story last mania they had in new orleans at wrestlecon my son has his belt autographed and scott got half hot because he felt bret hart signed his name too large (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's hilarious um all right let's get to uh number two we'll get to the twitter questions at the end of the episode but uh, number two this week, we're doing oh, that was it, Dan. I mean, we're just gonna go through. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a lot of uh, people mentioning the NWO, a lot of people mentioning, um, you know, yeah, uh, losing to one, two, three kid. And, and I guess let, let's just put a bow on, on this topic. Um, the Hall of Fame speech, you know, uh, that uh, bad times don't last, but bad guys do. A lot of people mentioned that as like a, a moment that resonated with them. And and I want to just tell one quick personal scott hall story if i can uh and then we'll just wrap up the scott hall stuff um the one of the most intimidating moments i've had as a comedian was at the second uh starcade i was doing uh ron funch's uh show where it was like me him x Pac, and matthew and we're like making fun of uh wrestling videos and stuff the thing starts at like midnight and scott hall is sitting right behind me the entire time and he does not laugh once and i am so afraid of crossing a line because there's that story of him at that cornet roast i think in the 2000s when he like wanted to fight a guy who made an owen joke yeah and and in my mind i'm like this guy might have like a hundred owens I'm so afraid of getting razors. <laughs> and it was like, I would make a joke and then just be like, ah! <laughs> and just turn around. <laughs> Cause he was so, I mean, he really was, yeah, a huge fucking guy. And that, you know, after he was like, that was funny, man. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, Phew! and, and I survived. My, my Scott Hall story was, it was this, well, it was the star It was the star cast before that. Yeah, is that like I was about to get picked up uh, from the uh, from the airport, and I guess I was like too far away from where everyone else was, from like where the plane let me off, and then I just told him where I was, and and then the van guy, I just hear, I hear from the back, we're leaving, (laughs) and I just left. So Scott just got them to leave. Um, All right, let's get to uh, premium live events number two. We're doing the uh, King Count Bundy five topics this week. It's going to be a short one, folks. Robert, what are we talking about in the in the world of modern wrestling? So uh, in the world of WWE, where nothing is modern and everything feels old and recycled, uh, Monday Night Raw this week was a weird existential crisis of an episode. Uh, you were in Jacksonville, Florida. You are three weeks from WrestleMania. 
the entire story is what is Seth Rollins going to do? And everybody in the internet was fully convinced, oh, this is going to be where Cody Rhodes shows up. And the show opens building to a, a main event, which is Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens, where the winner gets to participate in the talk show segment with Stone Cold Steve Austin at Mania. Not wrestle a match, not compete for a title, host a talk show segment. So everyone's like, that's really, really stupid. Obviously, this is going to end with Cody Rhodes showing up at the end. The crowd was chanting Cody throughout the entire night. They get to the finish. No Cody Rhodes. And the, 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 the story here really is it's of two stories. I think one of it is the Internet works itself up in a situation where there was nothing promised, kind of like the Madison Square Garden show, where the WWE didn't tease that's really, bullshit. Was gonna no, they, they, oh, they, no, did, they did tease. That's a lie. They, they teased that there was going to be someone. They teased. They teased that there was going to be a replacement. No, they they teased a world caliber opponent. Yes, and world title caliber opponent. I mean, come on, Robert. Yeah. They and they were, and they were. Yeah, it was bait and switch, but they weren't promising Cody at a non-televised event. They weren't promising no, but him they, here. But we thought we were going to get somebody big. Wait, wait, wait. We're going to get someone big. And that, wait, that's, you guys that's are different. saying a Raw is bad for the same reason a Dynamite is great? No Cody Rhodes? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, and I think that part of it is the WWE had the perfect opportunity and situation and scenario to give the audience exactly what it wanted. And they held it back and they didn't do it. And at the end of the show, they kept dropping hints like, oh, this is a real nightmare for Seth. And he's his WrestleMania dreams are shattered. So obviously yeah, it's like his roads to WrestleMania. They're like saying shit like that. It's <laughs> exactly. So but it's so strange to realize, like, this is now the company that does nothing but take away moments as opposed to giving them moments. And you're this close to WrestleMania and you're getting this sort of uh, of ill will it's hard to ignore. It's hard to ignore when ticket sales are at the level that they're at for both nights. The biggest matches on the show are celebrities or former UFC guys. The, the, the biggest match with two full-time male wrestlers on the roster is Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. And <laughs> rather than give the audience a feel-good moment in Jacksonville where it would have been Cody's redemption, they held off and they, they denied you that. And it's hard to just kind of let that pass, especially when everything we're talking about has been great moments and memorable moments. And, and WWE is always good at, you know, we, we put, we make movies and, and they, they now are obsessed with subverting expectations for the sake of pointing and laughing at the, the minor, the, the, the minute percentage of the audience that follows this on, on Twitter or on the internet. And it's like, we're going to screw with those guys at the but, expense of their overall product. But it wasn't minute. That's the thing that's that's crazy is that for the first time in a long time, um, the the viewers went up in the third hour. They were people were actually invested in seeing Cody coming back and they they fucked it up. <laughs> like, oh, sure. And now it's and now the response is basically like, fuck you. Like, you don't get anything from holding off on it. Now, if they didn't sign him which there's no way they didn't sign him. They wouldn't have put this position. They wouldn't have put Seth in this position in the first place. So obviously they got something in the works. It's probably going to happen. But now when it happens, you get no goodwill from it. It's diminished returns. It's two weeks until WrestleMania. So you're not selling any more tickets from it. It was just such a weird misguided decision by a company that used to know how to pull off the biggest moments. Yeah, with, yeah. With, with people that are now dead. That's what we've been talking about. 
They're either dead or on TNT. So it's six of one. <laughs> I will say though, I, I think that there has been a there have there has been some good build for this mania because there's sometimes mania we rewatch it where it's like there's like no match I'm looking forward to. And just to play devil's advocate, like the Brock and Roman match has been built incredibly well. Yeah, all the things that you don't like about the Brock Roman match almost have nothing to do with this program in the sense that like they've done it a couple times before, you know, which is a total valid criticism. But as far as like how they've prevented, presented this feud, it's been really good. How they've done Sammy and um, and how they've I done. Johnny Knoxville has been very good. Oh, that dude, 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 that that is the best build. That is one of my favorite yeah. things in the world right now is Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville putting his phone number with an like you know an airplane dragging it behind in L.A. and then he wrote it um, at uh, the Penn Station like bathroom in a stall. He wrote Sami Zayn's number there today. And so people are calling in. That's yeah, that's the best unit. Well, in not, the it's so great, man. And, and also like Sammy, Sammy's heel reaction to it, which is like, I'm not going to let him win by changing my number. I'm like, that's great. That's great. This continues it. And you give it a real reason. I, I also think the edge AJ stuff has been pretty good. Um, but but yeah, this has been a real the edge AJ stuff has been OK in a vacuum where edge comes out and delivers soliloquies in blue light that feels disjointed from everything else going on on the show. This is, there's two nights when it should be one. You have three celebrity matches instead of one. The, all the title matches have now turned into like at the last minute, like personal attacks where it was Charlotte and Rhonda attacking each other. And now Becky and uh, Bianca, it feels very repetitive. It's all the, it's all the stuff that I generally nitpick with AEW on such a bigger scale where it's WrestleMania, so everyone's going to watch, but there's not a lot of compelling stuff going into this show, and they've kind of done a lot of work to make it less interesting going into it outside of Johnny Knoxville, who has creative freedom and can do something kind of outside the confines of, uh, you know, Pritchard's mind. Let me, let me say plans? this. Oh, sorry, oh, go, go ahead, on, Scott. Well, I was just going to say, do they have plans for the IC title or the U.S. title? So, yeah, so the U.S. title looks like it's going to be Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Uh, and the Intercontinental title has nothing. They, they put it on Ricochet. Do anything with the they put it on Ricochet, they and there is, there's no one left on the roster on SmackDown to challenge for the Intercontinental title because they fired so many people. Uh, so Ricochet has kind of been like the third man in the Sami Zayn, Johnny Knoxville feud. But outside of that he has no they could do Seamus if they if they don't do new day the new day man no Dude, i would do like a razor it. ramon ladder match i mean honestly since you're unifying the world titles i'd unify the u.s and ic and then you'd get balor versus ricochet which is a fantastic match uh but you know, yeah, we're yeah not but you need, you need a title for each show because it's, there's two different networks and, and ready i'm gonna read the lineup okay this is night one i mean imagine Sitting through night one. Night one is fucking awful. We don't have to imagine. We're gonna have to do it because we're covering dude, it here. Dude, Scott, Drew Scott, can I, can I just, Yeah, can go I ahead. Say go my ahead. Piece? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Well, first off, I, I want I want Robert to take a, a deep breath and turn back from the red panda he's been for the last 15 minutes and uh relax. Uh <laughs> and, I think that's just his skin complexion. What's that? I think that's just his skin complexion. <laughs> You know, he is turning red. Um, but anyways, I I want to just say 
you know what this is, dude. This company has been this for so long. I don't know how you could have new anger for the same old shit. This is what they do. You defend them every week and they hurt you. You literally, when you were talking about this, Robert, were like, remember when they used to say they love me? Remember when we used to have long strolls together? Now there's nothing. Now it just comes home and it fucks me and it says good night and I got to make it breakfast. Like you're in an abusive. I don't think it's fucking him. Yeah, that's fair. And I don't know how to cook <laughs> breakfast, so they would be starving. Uh, but but you're in an abusive relationship, man. Every week you're low spotted something on Raw. Like why, why watch this if it's going to make you this upset? No, it's not a question of making me upset. I think it's the, it, the challenge with it is knowing that it could always be better. And it's why I always get frustrated with AEW because I think AEW could be excellent and sometimes they make decisions that hold them back this is from, this is you know, you know when like threshold. people are in a fight like you're ta- you're discussing one person and then things start to die down so you go <laughs> hey you know who else? hey aunt kathy's a bitch too right oh aunt <laughs> kathy's a- <laughs> she's a fucking bitch but, um, but this is the thing though <laughs> but this is the thing aw there's always at least a couple things on there that are the best version of what they can be yes i agree there's some things on there that could be better you know, uh, little guys that should not be on television, you know, different shit. But the thing is, like, they still, I wouldn't watch it if there weren't, like, moments of happiness. Like, you know, we will talk about Dynamite. There was a lot on the show I liked. If there wasn't, I wouldn't watch it. But it doesn't feel like there's a lot on Raw that you've liked in years. And that's just that's the Orton possible. stuff, I think. Yeah. No, the Orton stuff has been good. There's always moments it good, in it. Yeah. Within, within the confines of three hours, you're going to get stuff that's not. And I think part of the frustration is when there's a clear way to do something that makes sense and they veer the other way for no reason, kind of like veer. It's like, well, we're just going to keep making, we're going to keep saying veer is going to show up month after month after month because it makes, you know, certain people laugh in that company. And it's, I mean, it makes me laugh. I, I kind of like. Well, it. the well, unfortunate now thing is, coming. the debut it makes it suck, right? Because you can't live up to being advertised for seven months. So it's going to be hilarious no matter what. It's just. Oh yeah, funny no. Now, now it's it's trans. It's like uh, sideshow Bob with the rakes. Eventually, it yes. just becomes funny again. Uh, I, I think there is a lot to like in what they do. I think part of it is when you get to mania season it's kind of the one time of the year where it's like all right we're not going to fuck around we're not going to phone it in we're actually going to try and and do something and they haven't really done that and i think the 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 cody stuff was some some of it was the internet built up their own storyline of what they thought was going to happen but at the same time you have nothing currently announced for seth rollins who's one of your top stars you're just kind of wasting people that you don't need to waste their opportunity to to deliver and having talented people and not letting them do what makes them good is frustrating to watch. It's not necessarily an unentertaining three hour slog every week, but you want to see the best version of what there is. And if guys sink or swim, they sink or swim. But if you're giving them nothing to do whatsoever and you're just kind of wasting their time, that's not fair to the talent. But if I book, okay. If I go on the road and I take a comic with me, let's say, uh, Let's call him Cot Saplin. And he has the same <laughs> set every night and it never changes. And and I don't like it and the crowd doesn't like it because Cot is no Scott. Then it's like, why would I keep booking him? Like I because you still don't have a driver's license, Mike. <laughs> 
but 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 Uber's gotten better. No, but the, 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 but the thing is, all I want to say, Robert, is like the best thing to come out of Raw in the past few years is your Twitter page. And if you're watching it to tweet about it, that's fine. I just, as your friend, I don't know why you would watch it hoping it would get better when it has told you time and time again it doesn't want to. So there's two pieces that first the reason i watch raw live every week is 90 percent the twitter page because that okay, to yeah, me is that's fair it, otherwise i would fast forward through it in about 15 minutes which is what i used to do with smackdown for a long long time or ignore it entirely like i did with nxt uh i think the reason why i always hope that it's going to get better is having kind of been on the inside and seen the standards that were there that were like this is what we need to be working towards to put out there and seeing how lackluster and subpar it is it's a little challenging in the same way if you're a sports fan there are sport there are, there are sports fans who have teams that are terrible year after year after year but you can't stop being a sports fan for them i worked for an organization uh, a professional sports team that was really bad for a long long time and you get these glimmers of hope and you're like this may be it this may be it this may be it and then they bottom out. Now they're doing that again. They're like, you know, this may be the year they're going to be successful. It's kind of inherent in sports. It's inherent in sports entertainment where you hope, all right, something's going to turn the corner and it's going to make it better. And I think part of the challenge is SmackDown, for the most part, for the last two years, has been a much better show. We never cover SmackDown because by the time it happens, this show is dropping on a Friday. We're not going to talk I mean, about something that happened a week up ago. Until the last six months, for sure. The last yeah. few months have been a little bit more lackluster raw mm -hmm. is an unwieldy three-hour beast of a television show that it's hard pressed for anybody to really make that truly entertaining because you get bits here and there and then you get you know a reggie segment i think people still watch it because they want it to be better and then there's people who say 21 years ago at wrestlemania 17 it peaked and it never got better after that and yeah, dude, I think Raw show. was I think Raw was good for two years and we're just nuts. And I think that's most shit and that's fine. Like I mean, bands specifically, right? A lot of bands have one good album and we love them forever. But yeah, wrestling, that shit that every this 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 which I think is a lie, the casual fan that wants the attitude era, it was a time, it was a moment, it's gone. Uh they're not even trying to recreate it, but at least try to recreate like the the honesty that was in it like the, the the little bit of like oh at least they're acting like people like i dude i watch wrestling on raw and smackdown and it doesn't even feel like wrestling matches because of the way they cut it i'm like i feel like i'm watching something in a studio and this is a fucking bouncy house it's you could give me a five-star match it's two stars because of the way it's filmed it's filmed poorly and it's intentional because they're trying to make a cartoon yeah, people well, loved the, the triple threat know, tag was really good last week, dude. Motherfucking Pete Dunn, guys, come on, this is crazy. They're making a cartoon. Well, what, what's his, his name? Is Butch. His name the is thing Butch. is, people people loved Raw and Lou Vega's Mambo Number no. Five at the exact same time. They didn't wait around for Mambo Six, Seven, or Eight. They moved on to the next thing. Same with wrestling. Amen. Well, let's move on to our next thing, Number Three: Dynamite or Dud. That was the most seamless transition I've ever delivered. We're not like it was uh, a murder mystery. 
Hour one, hangman <laughs> Adam Page. Yeah, yeah. The murder mystery is why does Robert keep killing himself? <laughs> that is true. Like Kenny yeah. on South Park, another dated reference. And the Adam Adam Hangman Page, Adam Cole triple tag, a Keith Lee uh, promo with Team Taz in the back. Best friends versus Brian Danielson and John Moxley with uh, William Regal. The uh, Inner Circle Appreciation Society and a Serena D promo. Scott, what did you think of this first hour? Oh man, what is there? What is there to say? It was great. It was really, really great. I, it, what was it called? Saint, Saint, what? Saint Pat? What was it? What, what was it called? Saint, Saint. I don't know. What was Lamb? it? Saint Patrick's Day Slam. Saint Patrick's Day, Saint Slam. Patrick's yes. Day yes. Slam. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, no. I, I mean, top to bottom, I thought this was uh, a lot of fun. Obviously, some dragging moments, but the Jericho thing was top tier shit. Uh, Dude, sports entertainer, that gimmick is so funny and it's going to be so fun. And Mike, you're going to fall in love with 2.0. And I can't wait. I can't wait for them to be your favorite part of the show. <laughs> I just wrote this, and Scott. Like if, if, if Jericho wants fans to continue to boo, he will go full sports entertainer. We're talking DQ finishes, an annoying catchphrase that starts this new theme, and singles matches that become tags for no explicable reason. He should all I be about it. just making moments right now. Like just bring bring fucking raw to dynamite. It'll be hilarious. The 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 booze that I'm a sports entertainer got was so funny. And I really did. Danny Garcia it. was I mean, great in that segment. Oh, Danny Daniel Garcia, Garcia man. Great. So yeah, it's gonna be fantastic. And now, okay, so so another highlight of the first hour. We're talking about the first hour, right? So uh was the second match. Well, okay, first off, first match, a fucking banger. We all agree. Whether you like Adam yeah. Cole or not, this was an awesome match, right? Here's Jungle Boy. The only thing I, I, I hated, I loved the, um, I loved the moonsault spot, but I wish that the camera didn't get Roderick Strong like looking at Adam Hangman. Pay like it took away from that moment. But that's, oh, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't notice. It's that. a tech, um, it's, it's a tech right. moment. It's not Roderick like Strong is there now? Or you mean? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, fucking, you know, Bobby Fish. Sorry. <laughs> Well, that match was great. Then the second match, uh, uh, Moxley and Brian versus uh, Wheeler Utah and Chuck Taylor. That was a really good match. And the Wheeler Utah moment was top tier shit where the crowd is just chanting Utah, Utah. And you're like, oh, we have a new guy. And then you saw Daniel Garcia after that segment. And you're like, oh, shit, we have another new guy. Within six months, these guys are going to be beloved. And this company is so good at that. And, and you're watching like a reset, right? Like it was intentional that, that, that the, the Jericho promo was very much like the inner circle, inner circle promo, right? When they debuted, he even like had a few of the same sentences and the same way that he got Sammy Guevara over, he's going to get Daniel Garcia over. And it's just so cool that Jericho is just like hitting this refresh and making new people 2.0, man. They are going to blow the fuck up. And I'm actually happy about it because the one thing about them was that they are cheesy and it's where do you put them? And now their cheesiness, it's it's so valid and it's it's so perfect that, man, they're going to be on every week and it's 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 going to be the shit. What else was hour one? The only thing I didn't like from hour one is it was just another kind of like, I don't know, man. It just felt like kind of like a, a phoned in Keith Lee promo again, but. Um, everything else I like. So yeah, I, yeah, I thought he picked up at the end of it, but uh, yeah, I'm wondering if I'm missing anything from hour one. Oh, yeah, isn't it weird when you talk about dynamite, no one interrupts you? Just you know. the well, listen, uh, because I'm not wrong, isn't that weird? 
fucking crabby. Take a nap. Okay, so listen. <laughs> so, all right, SpongeBob. How cool? How cool is uh is it gonna be when you have William Regal's crew versus the sports entertainers? Yeah, yeah it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be cool. cool. Yeah, it's gonna be very, <laughs> gonna very be cool. cool. And that was that was 10 minutes of positivity with no jokes from Scott Chaplin. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, Mike, go ahead. <laughs> no, Mike, please go ahead. No, it's just you shit on our opinions every no, week. No, no, Mike, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm. Let me say something. You shit on us every week, and then you just say the. Wait, 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 wait. What, say what opinion this? of this yours did great. I shit on this week, Mike? I shit what on Robert's say? opinion because it was a bad opinion, and then you shit on it too, and you shit on it more than me, actually. No, I tried helping Robert. Ro- Rob, oh, was oh, it helping Mike, Robert? Mike, did you see Mike's heel? Wait, wait, wait. Can I interrupt for a second? A bitch towards you. This is Mike's heel character. I think it was Mike being a fucking baby. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Give, let, let me interrupt for a second. I'm going to shit on Mike now for a second. <laughs> yeah, because like Mike does this here. thing. Mike does this thing where he's meaner and more criticizing than anyone else. But then he goes, "No, I'm helping you." Yeah. You know, <laughs> I genuinely on, was man. like, "Why does he keep watching it?" Well, see, so part of the fun of it, when, uh, if <laughs> you're on the genuinely, if you're on the <laughs> something, he believes Inter- this. <laughs> if you're on the something sports entertainment with Tier, part of the fun is actually getting to talk through all of Raw, the good, the bad, making sense of it. Also, not being interrupted by Scott, who's like, "You're wrong," or Mike, who's like, "Who hurt you?" And that's why I encourage you, if you're not on the ten dollar Patreon tier for something as part of Sam for and you want to hear intelligent, nuanced thoughts on Raw Damn. without somebody screeching in the background, by all means subscribe to the ten dollar Patreon. Yeah, ten dollar tier. tier. Scott and Mike aren't there. Good luck. <laughs> that actually should be our new, uh, our new our new advertising. There's no Mike and Scott. Yeah, for ten dollars, uh, hear intelligent, nuanced uh, commentary from Robert for free. Hear him turn into Estelle Costanza. <laughs> I, I, it's, I, I will say I'm, I'm, I'm way nicer to raw about raw than robert is oh yeah i yeah, dan like is 100%. like yes dan, dan is uh hoping that someone in stanford's listening on the ten dollar tier and taking <laughs> I, notes i i am the combs of this podcast no so <laughs> i i'll I, buy a review of this i didn't watch the coal match because i knew it wouldn't make me happy i started the show at 5 20 western um you know, Pacific, and I, because I know the AEW formula, I turn it on, I saw him come out, I'm like, this will be over after the first quarter hour, and it was, and I liked everything else. I thought Regal was great on commentary. I liked the sincerity he had with Ross of like, you know, you meant a lot to me too. Um, I liked the Yuta moment. I liked the Garcia moment. I never am against the performer specifically uh, as much as how they're used. And these guys were just thrown on TV a lot with no context, no promo time given. And now they're getting characters and it's great. Like, so I'm, I'm for it. And I think that the, you know, the Jericho thing, um, man, he has never been happier than telling stories about how great he is. You know, I think, I think, I think the best thing about the Jericho thing is he doesn't understand how charity works. (laughs) That you just help people, uh, and then you're they're just helped. Uh, oh, that, that's but, another great thing that it's actually justified why they appreciate him. I thought, yeah, was it did. Now, absolutely, yeah. the Buffalo thing and all of that. I mean, we all have to say, right? When he said on January sixth, twenty nineteen. Do you think he was trolling? <laughs> do you think he was trolling there? Yes, uh, yes. absolutely, hundred percent. 
And I mean, you know what though, too, like to his credit, I mean, he is such a narcissist. Like one, he retweeted us. Was it Dan? You, you, did you or Scott? I, wrote, write I actually wrote something very, yeah, I wrote something very nice about him in the segment and he favorited it. Did he retweet us? I didn't know. He did retweet us because that's how you get him to retweet you. You're like, he's doing some of the best work of his career. Done. <laughs> uh, it's, like, it's like, what if he listened to our roast? <laughs> he he yeah. may have. I mean, he may have with the, with the, with the January thing. Yeah. But I, I will say, man, it's like, you know, he is such a narcissist that he knew that this was coming and he got in shape for it too. Like he looks fucking great. He looks like the leader of a group of douchebags. I mean, the most heel moment in this by far was giving Jake Hager the microphone as well. Uh, I actually think that he's the, the weakest link in this. You know, I think Jericho with 2.0 and Danny Garcia makes sense. It feels like Hager... He's the enforcer, but it's also he's just there because they don't know what else to do with him. And you forget he's in the company a lot. I don't know. Does anyone agree with me there that he's kind of an afterthought in this? Yeah, but do you also think it was intentional that they made him say Jericho uh, Jericho Appreciation Society because he had to say the ass? Yes. <laughs> that was intentional, right? And I thought that was really funny. I really do think that was intentional. I thought it was awesome. For the same reason they mentioned January 6th. <laughs> Jake Hager, man, he may be one of those guys. I mean, he's got a fucking hot wife. He kills it at Bellator by just fighting guys that look like us. I and mean, he's got them in the balls. Yeah, he, he's got a pretty charmed life, you know. Um, all right, hour two. I thought I got to do oh, hour oh, one. I'm sorry, I, Robert. I, I, yeah, I, what do you think of this first hour? The first hour was uh, overall very good. The The six-man tag was – it was good, but it was it – was, like fluff, like nothing of real substance happened. The, the narrative going into it made sense. The idea of, you know, Paige picking Jurassic over Dark Order and the undisputed uh, teasing with the Bucks, all that it was fine. The match itself was fine. It didn't, to me, elevate Paige in any way, shape or form or Cole. It just gave us more of Paige and Cole wrestling, which is not bad, but it's not like this is your world title picture, white hot, whatever. It was just, we got these guys on there. The Keith Lee thing, uh, you have to stop putting him in promos. He's he's like Ricky Starks is running circles around him and making him look terrible. They have not oh, done anything to can, really can elevate this guy. That, Robert, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just don't want to tag on something really quick to I, I actually I think Ricky's great at promos, but I think he needs scripted promos because like you can hear like his delivery is awesome. But like my wife laughed at what he said because it was like kind of lame. Like like I feel like he just needs somebody to actually like give him the words anyway keep going I don't yeah know. no Maybe i think but, but he's got an energy to him where keith lee always sounds like he just got shot with a tranquilizer dart um the moxley and brian's that's match, a gimmick that'd be a great gimmick uh well, that just, just luther reigns booker t and kurt angle in 2006 that is true uh so far we'll give him somas <laughs> which is an evergreen gimmick. Uh, Brian and Moxley versus Yuta and Chuck. I love when Regal asked who the demon waif was. That genuinely made me laugh out loud. Regal is fantastic. He should always be on commentary. Uh, Yuta taking the kicks from Danielson and asking for more and the crowd chanting for Yuta is how you make someone. It's why I was so excited about this Danielson thing in the first place. Everything post-match. Uh, Yuta was great, man. Yuta Yuta, was great Yuta's me. a guy, I, I, I believed in him 
years ago, I used to push stuff for him. I, I told him how proud I was on the, after seeing the segment, that like AEW is getting behind you. They really see what you have. He's going to deliver. He's going to be great. And the audience is going to love him because he's a very sympathetic babyface. He's a guy that when he gets his ass kicked, you feel like he's getting his ass kicked and you want to see him rally. And I think AEW is using him perfectly. The FTR Bucks thing feels kind of out of left field. They turn FTR babyface just to have him face the Bucks when the Bucks are already in another storyline entirely. But whatever, the acclaimed were, were great in their little promo, especially when they referred to Keith Lee as Cleveland Jr. Was that was a that was fantastic. <laughs> Uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society felt like the bright side we did on him last week for the majority of it. Um, the sports entertainment thing is fun. Daniel Garcia is a heel because he was wearing pleated pants. Uh, nobody should be wearing pleated pants. Uh, it looked weird. Bringing up what he what Jericho did for all these guys. Yes, it's it's being a uh, you know bragging, but it's it's kind of a babyface thing. It's like this guy I donated money to help him when he was hurt and I didn't know who he was. These guys I went out of my way to get them a job. This guy is my, my ride or die, even though he's fucking terrible in the ring, terrible on the microphone, has weird political opinions that should have been heel opinions. And he got cheered for years and it was uncomfortable. Um, you know, we'll see where it goes. It, it built those well. And uh, this was the great end of uh, Dynamite. We don't have to talk about hour two because we're trying to be oh, positive. We, we do have to talk about hour two, Robert, in my murder mystery voice. Hour two. We have Wardlow versus Scorpio Sky for the TNT title. Yeah, this this really did drop out. This I'm just reading it now. Uh, Jade Cargill promo, the Hardys versus Private Party, which Matt Hardy, man, I mean, in this gimmick looks fucking crazy. Uh, Red Velvet promo, and our main event, <laughs> Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker for the AEW Women's Championship uh, in a steel cage match. Robert, what did you think of the second hour? Hour one was really good. Uh, so here's the thing I'm going to be fair and balanced uh, that's right that's what I'm using uh, the Warlow Scorpio Sky match sometimes Tony Khan does this thing where he tells too many stories at once and he needs to spread these things out over weeks you did like four weeks of TV in one segment you could have done Warlow Scorpio Sky as a match and if you were going to have uh, Sean Spears be the interference that cost him the match fine that's, that's your end you want to tell that story of Wardlow had this opportunity and it got taken from him. Wardlow looked, and I, I love Wardlow. He looked dumb when he did the powerbomb spot a couple times. He had Scorpio Sky beat and didn't go for the pin. You're supposed to care about the titles. That's something he's got to tighten up and, and, and focus on. You could have had it, Sean Spears hit Wardlow with the chair. When the ref's not looking, he gets countered out or whatever it is. You, I think they rushed MJF back. I liked the fact that Max lost that uh, dog collar match and it was the most personal thing that he had ever gone into and he changed who his character was and it was deep and then there was the betrayal of Wardlow and he bled and he was hurt I would have kept him off TV for a few weeks I would have let this build and said if he just shows up then only as he show up you get the moment where Wardlow gets his hands on him then you get everybody beating him up and Max posing over him that was like four weeks of TV in, in one segment it's a good story and it's a testament to the story they're telling Space it out a little bit. Uh, the private party Hardy's thing was rough. Um, again, that's another thing you should have delayed that. But for other reasons, I've now seen the Hardys wrestle and unite. I've seen them wrestle the guys who turned on Matt Hardy. I've seen them hit every spot that they have. I've seen them win 
So I've seen everything I need to get out of them. And now we're continuing the Andrade family office and Sting and Darby. It's a whole lot of stuff people don't necessarily care about. Matt did not look very good in it. Jeff was happy to get cheers. This audience loved them. Uh, and then the main event, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, they were trying to make this feel epic. The problem is they have not had a lot of steel cage matches there. And they did a ref bump at one point, which didn't make a ton of sense. And they forgot that you can win the match by escaping the cage. And there was a couple times where like one woman had the no, other one knocked out. You can't. You can't. No, not AEW. It's pinfall submission. They said that in the Wardlow Jim, Cody oh, match. Yeah, but Jim Ross said in the beginning of the match that, that Britt Baker was trying to escape the cage. Well, so yeah, but they she's did just not, trying to get they away. They did not do a good job of, of telling that story then. Uh, and it was weird where at one point Jim Ross was talking about how these girls both used to play Barbies, which was kind of odd. And it's like you're, you're, you're having a good match. You don't need Jim Ross uh, being weird and, and sexist about it. I thought the match was good. It felt kind of rushed at the end. Like there was a there was some kind of timing issue. And it was kind of weird that Britt got powerbombed onto thumbtacks. And then immediately kind of rolled out of the ring when that should have been a, a, a real killer moment. But they gave the win at the end for Thunder Rosa, which is what the audience wanted. But they still have not eclipsed that first match. And I think that's kind of they tried. I will say that they definitely tried, but it wasn't as uh, epic as I think they wanted it to be. And now I'm kind of worried that wherever these women go forward, it's going to be lackluster. Also, I mentioned this on Twitter. Follow Russell Russ on Twitter. The weirdest moment of the entire show was like Wardlow trying to have a titty off with, with Paige Van Sant. Do you remember that? Like, like he get like Paige gets his face and then he like looks down at his tits and he's like he makes some move and he's like it's like all right now your turn. It was so bizarre. He uh, Mike, on it. Yeah, it was so weird. Oh, and also um, Wardlow beating beating up Paige Van Zandt's husband in front of her in front of her was fantastic because he's a baby. Mike, Mike, what did before we get to Scott's rebuttal? Uh, Mike, what did you think of the second hour? Yeah, man. I mean, I thought <laughs> I thought it was decent. You know, I think that uh, yeah, the Wardlow Sky thing. I I mean, I look. I would not have ended last week and this week with a title change, especially. If you're gonna always do that, if the, if the plan was to keep this from the pay per view in here, I, I just I don't know. It, the title change last week didn't feel monumental, and 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 this did more so. Um, so I just wouldn't have done them back to back, especially after a pay per view where there were no changes. Um, I thought that uh, yeah, you knew that you knew the Wardlow thing, but but it made sense. It's, it's part of a story. I mean, the problem is. You don't have anything on this show that has close to the level of heat that MJF and Punk had, and I think it's very noticeable. There's some good feuds, but there's just, I mean, maybe I'm alone here. I just don't think there's anything, the level of quality that we were seeing from those guys week in and week out and the animosity and the level of promos. It's just, and it's very noticeable to me. I mean, because I was loving it and I was praising it every week and now it's not there. And I don't think that, you know, Wardlow is as good of a transfer. I mean, you know, that's just the, 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 the luck of the draw in a way that, you know, they use punk to help get him over. And it's just not, it's just not at that level of intensity, even though it's a two plus year story, it just doesn't, I don't know. And Spears, it just doesn't feel like a lot of heat. And then, um, 
Fuck it. What does feel like a lot of heat was the bald spot on Matt Hardy. Uh, <laughs> that looks sweltering. All the sweat on it. Um, it's yeah, it's disgusting. I'm man. calling a Hardy's boy now with EE. <laughs> I mean, like, look, Jeff looks fine, and you know, Robert was right. Like they did, like you know, fast forward a lot of this stuff. But also, if the point is to do it now and have it done, like, I don't need to see the review, like. The, to me, let this main event dark. Let this main event rampage. Um, I love that they're trying to do something with Garcia and with uh, Yuta. This felt like a step in the other direction. Like, that felt progressive. You're using Regal to help Yuta. This, like, you know, they beat Private Party, who have been with Matt for so long. So that felt rushed, too, to, to have it this quickly. It just didn't do anything for me. Um you know, red velvet promos, a red velvet promo. Um, it was fine. I mean, look, like part of watching a, a, a company so young uh, see their weekly TV, you really do notice the formula way more. Um, I, I think another thing is like, is this the first main event on a dynamite since Thunder and Brit? Like, I don't think that sets a good message in terms of like, they have to get thumbtacks and shit to the main event. Like, I think they need to have women main event, I'd say at least every three to four months tops and not always in blood fest. Like I, I did like the cage match, but I'm, I'm maybe it's just me. I'm done with thumbtacks for a while. I think that like, they're just boring. Like t- a table is more memorable. A kendo stick, like the thumbtack, it looks like it hurts them, but it's not that entertaining to me. I, I, I'm okay with thumbtacks when it's like a fully ordered situation where it's like one person's character to do that. And they're dragging the other person into it, like a Nick Gage Jericho thing. But when it's two people and they're like, let's just do the thumbtacks. It just, it just feels phoned in at this point, especially when we just saw it 10 days ago. So I don't know. Does anyone else feel that way? Well, yeah, I think with, thumbtack specifically the actual cool spot of a thumbtack spot is the reaction the person's eyes bulging out of there you know yeah or in when when, uh when you know when he did go for the rko and fully pushed him and then orton lands on his back to the tax and and just the way he reacts that's what makes it so cool and in AEW and wherever else they're doing thumbtack shit it's just they just like roll on it and then do another move on it and then do another move and it's like you gotta sell the hell out of it. And uh, when MJF sold it uh, after the GTS and falling backwards into it, that was good. But most well, of the felt time, like, that yeah, it not felt like happened, dude. Well, yeah, it felt like he was selling it. Like it works when it's a comeuppance, but when it's just random. And and last thing I'll say, outside of Britt's outfit, it felt weird how light they were on the Scott Hall stuff for a company that really is like a pro wrestler company you know started out with hey yo he did start out who did jim ross jr started the broadcast out with okay. hey yeah I, I missed the first one <laughs> but um i just and 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 adam cole looks like a toothpick so that helps but i just think that <laughs> it just felt weird like this is a company that yeah it's like this is his fan base it would feel like i don't know maybe that's not weird to anyone else but it I, it, it felt like more people should have said stuff. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'll just give my brief thoughts just before I pass it over to Scott. 
I guess like I really liked the end of, you know, obviously the end of the women's title match, but you know, in, in some ways like work rate right wise, because the company is such a high, has such a high work rate that the whole time I'm like, they can't leave the cage. Like I just kept thinking about that young bucks, um, Lucha bros match where they couldn't leave the cage and how great it was. And this, I just thought wasn't as, you know, like it was for sure better than the pay-per-view match, like, like night and day compared to the pay-per-view match, but it just, I don't know. I just don't like Brit's a better character than she is a wrestler. And, you know, and, and that's no fault. You know, she had, she's still, she's not like an old vet, you know, she's still, I don't know how new she is, but she's new enough, I guess. Um, but uh, what, what did you think of the second hour, Scott? Uh, the Wardlow Scorpio sky thing. I think as the match was approaching, like throughout the week, we, we, you just realized that it was going to be a, a, a like a segment and not a match. You know, it was going to be an angle and not a match. And then they had a match. And you know what? Like it was too long when we knew there was going to be an angle. And, and that's like a very raw thing where you have to sit through something where you know fuckery is going to happen. No doubt fuckery is going to happen. And so that was a little irritating, but I do like what they did and I like where they're going with it. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Completely. I thought the Hardy's private party thing, man, Matt Hardy. I, how did he just age that quickly? I don't know. It's it's dude. It reminds me of when Michael Hayes was dressed as, as the Hardy boys. Like it's, dude, it's like, <laughs> crazy. It's, it's really crazy. It's like before they walked out, like Jeff grabbed his face and like breathed in his breath, you know, and like Matt aged and Jeff got more youthful. Uh, I'll say yeah. this about the match. It's cool to see the Hardy Boys there and know you're going to – they do have the best tag uh, t- tag team division, right, in the world. I, I, I think that's without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I would uh, say so. Probably. When you have the Hardys in there, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool that we're going to have the Hardys with the best tag teams in the world right now. We haven't had that in a while. And you're going to get these cool moments, hopefully, that you don't really get because it is Jeff and Matt. Uh, I know next week's Dynamite, they are doing Darby, Sting, the Hardys versus Private Party and Butcher and Blade. So you're going to get a Jeff Hardy Darby moment, you know, them staring at each other before they both jump off a tower, you know. It's worth the moments for having them here. But other than those moments, holy shit, man, they are uh, they are strange. It's going to be tough to carry those guys like some of those. The problem with you're right, like you're gonna get like a lot of dream matches, but like these these these, these are not the old Hardy Boys, man. <laughs> you know, like I, 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 I had a question for Robert, um, our, our legal expert. How how do they how do they use the music? That's not Johnston. No, oh, that was a that was a, a track that came from MSoft, which is a music licensing software company that WWE used. A lot of other places used. And because it was just a song that they used for the Hardys, they actually used that song before that for some video packages. And it wasn't an exclusive song. They never really bothered to change it. So it was it was readily available and easy for uh, Tony Khan to license. Wow. It's and it's also I think WWE would have given it to them to spare us having to listen to a Jeff Hardy song. (laughs) Well, number four, guys, we're getting a show in hell in honor of St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Um, we are going to be reviewing Little People's Court. Now, 
when I picked this, I had never seen it before, and I had assumed it was going to be seven minutes. Uh, wrong, I, Dan. I, I was not right. Uh, this is a 22-minute segment. Uh, it is it is the Christmas runner of Monday Night Raw. It is, I mean, if you want to see the magic that made Shawn Michaels a star in Avengers Farce Wars, then please watch this segment <laughs> because, I mean... It's, uh, I mean, did you make a Michael's eye joke, which was uh, kind of fun, but um, yeah, man. Yeah, but the problem with that was that was within the first five seconds of the show uh, of, of what was going on. Yeah, I'm trying to be positive. It's, it was, it was basically a 24 minute glow stick commercial. Um, if you are, I'll just recap real quickly. So I remember what led up to this happening. Triple H pedigrees hornswoggle and like kills him at msg just kills him like and, and i think they thought it was going to be like a baby face moment but everybody hated it so they uh they're summoned they're they're summoned by little people's court which meets under the ring they go under the ring they follow this long hallway because they clearly just film it backstage and they end up with a tiny judge judy uh, a tiny a tiny bailiff um who kind of looks like Shawn Michaels. So that was, that was kind of funny. Um, and, uh, and they bring up all the crimes that triple H and, and Sean have uh, perpetrated against the little person community. They end up running away. It ends with Jericho uh, being Santa Claus and big show asking, you know, Santa, AKA Jericho, if Jericho can come back to raw. And then for no reason, the little people start attacking them. And then Hunter and Sean, uh, Sean make the save. And at the very end, Hornswoggle is DX for a night. I guess that's the big Christmas miracle. And they all crotch uh, chop together. Um, Scott, what did you think of this segment? <laughs> okay, so. Did I get that right, by the way? That was, that was basically what happened. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. They crawled <laughs> under the ring. And underneath the ring is a little people's court where it's just a bunch of little people. Um, Triple H called them all of the names, right? <laughs> yeah. That was that was one of the bits where he like where he stumbled over everything you call them that you can't call them. It was definitely uncomfortable. It felt like Ernest out like the shit that wasn't funny enough for Ernest. Like they were like, "Nah, Ernest, that's too cheesy." But he, uh, he did feel bad about it and signed them all to NXT contracts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was very, very, very bad. I forgot that Hornswoggle didn't talk, and he just kind of, like, grunted. And That's the crazy. I mean, yeah. let's talk about that for a second. That's the craziest part of it, that in the WWE universe, uh, little people or people who – I think it's a little person um, – uh... <laughs> They can't, they can't speak English. They can't make intelligible worlds words. I guess like Peter Dinklage doesn't exist in the WWE universe. It's fucking wild, man. And they keep they keep like so so they're they're in this little people's court, and a big part of it is they can't get over that they're little people, and so it's just constantly broken up with them giggling about the fact that a little person is standing in front of them. Like they're shocked that they see a bunch of jurors that are little little people, and then they turn and they see the judge, and they it it just blows their mind. They think it's so funny, and that's honestly the most realistic thing um, WWE's done in a while. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also in in, in in Triple H's defense, once you see 
China's clit, everything else looks small in comparison. <laughs> oh my oh. God. Jesus Christ. A touching tribute they to Scott you. Hall and then just <laughs> pissing on another wrestler's grave. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I, yeah, I'm trying to find some good things to say about this. Um, oh, oh no, I have good things to Brie say. Sorry, Bella I didn't, I didn't hot finish. Fuck. I forgot how hot Brie Bella was back then. I mean, she's still hot, but like, wait, so like, the Jericho Daniel segment. Bryan. The Jericho segment at the end, I liked a lot with Big Show when they all came out and jumped him. I thought that was so funny. I've never seen a guy push a bunch of little people off of him in wrestling before. What that was good talking? shit. You've never seen that? That was a King Kong Bundy did. That's what, oh, no, I That's what Luchasaurus. No, no, no. Did. I didn't uh, watch King. No, I'm talking about actual little people. Yeah, he fucking he beat yeah. the shit out of uh, Lord Little. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's oh, no, like I, a, never, I never, I never watched. But, oh Kong yeah, we gotta stuff. watch WrestleMania three. We are for. We are for the Patreon. Yeah, but it's, it's gonna it's blow a weird, your mind, um, Scott. But you, but it's it is weird, Scott, in the sense that like, this is like it's crazy watching this segment and realizing this is what Big Cass got fired for. Like, because a couple years later, Big Cass was just supposed to lay out uh, the Brian Danielson little person once, but I guess he got on top of him and he started like punching him in the head and Vince like freaked out and was like, that's not what I said. And he fired him. But I think he actually like hurt the guy, you know, like these were work punches and maybe he actually like went too hard in on the guy. Yeah. You know, if he, if he like abused a person, that's that. That's a problem. <laughs> well, I don't know. I I didn't know that little part little people abuse in yeah. the arms of yeah, if you if you intentionally hurt someone, you should either be fired or team up with Seamus. <laughs> he did not intentionally hurt him, but I, I don't know. Maybe you, you may need to get rid of that guy. This fucking guy. Intentionally. Definitely did intentionally. Um, all right. Uh, so, so Robert, were, were you, uh, um, no, <laughs> what was no. it like watching the segment, Robert? How many, uh, how many little segments were pitched when you were in the room? Uh, the only one we have is we were excited that we were getting Hornswoggle and it was this thing of like, he's not a little person. He's a leprechaun. That's why he doesn't speak. Because he's a mythical creature who lives under the ring. Um, this was 24 minutes long. Um, yeah, that's uh, 24 fucking minutes long, Dan, for Christmas yeah, time. For Christmas time, they were this was they were killing time to not have to wrestle or do anything of consequence. I totally understand why they booked this because this is. For most people, an easy day for anyone that had to produce this, God help you. Because Vince, I'm sure, made them shoot this over and over and over. And this short segment went long. Um, yeah, the idea that they think it's funny that there's little people, the, the, I felt bad for the actors that were there. Like, I don't know how much they were paid, but they were just brought in to get, like, laughed at. And it wasn't particularly good. And it was supposed to be a feel-good moment at the end as they were bringing Hornswoggle in as their their mascot or, or whatever. But it was long and like a lot of this DX run, embarrassing and uncomfortable to go back and watch. Uh, PG DX, 
never really worked. And this was peak. We got to fill time. Uh, the, the only highlight was the John Cena clip referencing Johnny dangerously was the only thing that made that, that made me uh, laugh that entire time, but they had no faith in anybody on the roster and they were just relying on old timers as opposed to now where it's fresh, fantastic content every Monday night from eight to 11 on USA network. Or if you miss it on Peacock home of nothing but quality, quality content. That's right, Robert. Scott, uh, I mean, Mike, what did you think of this segment? I mean, look, man, this is what they were doing when they were trying to fill two hours. <laughs> this was, and, and the host, I, they mentioned Johnny Damon was the, the, this was the guest host era. I mean, I was watching around this time. This was me, me and Dan. We went to the MSG Raw, I think a few weeks before this. This was a, a god-awful time to be a wrestling fan. Wild Hogs DX, Midlife Crisis DX. They're fucking terrible, man. They're so unfunny. It's painfully unfunny. Um, and uh, I mean, the thing is, the court segment itself is like eight minutes. If you go online, you type in Little People's Court, it shows you the whole saga, <laughs> which you do not need to see. We could have just watched the court. We should have just watched the court segment. I mean, not one of the little people gets to talk. Which normally, you know, you know, we're, we're, we're in show business. It's like, oh, you do that so you don't have to pay uh, SAG rates. But it's WWE, so they aren't anyways. <laughs> None of these people were getting residuals. <laughs> it's just, yeah, they're getting made fun of. Um, it's just, yeah, man, like, this is uh, whatever people talk about. Yeah, the NWO versus DX, and I did not have my saying that um you know when you guys were talking about it but this eliminates them from any talk this era the the spirit squad stuff the nickelodeon you know slime all the just cheesy poopy crap like even like you know people will make fun of cena i don't even think cena was as lame as these guys were and this is a perfect storm mike of no one in that writer's room is speaking up against this yeah, because you know this, what, you know is, what? this is Hunter on creative. You're you're not going to like, well, this is Hunter and Sean. This is star power. You can't take this away. And it makes Vince laugh because Vince loves toilet humor. He loves little people humor. Uh, he thinks this is absolute gold. So there's no way that anybody's getting anything through or fixing any of it. It's just keep your head down, keep your job. I'm not going to, the hill I'm going to die on is not little people's court. And that's what's so depressing about this. Well, the, this is the worst type of funny there is, which is executive funny, like industry funny. You know, every comic has had to deal with people who think that they're funnier than us and they tell jokes and you have to nod because you're hoping that you get some kind of opportunity. And that's what it's like watching Hunter and Sean make each other laugh. Uh, it, it's brutal, man. These guys, uh, this is anytime you guys feel bad about how uh, they're treated with NXT and all that, watch this and you'll feel okay. <laughs> Hey, I'm going to read the top two comments from this video just to show you how warped people are. Oh, my both God. Of these, uh, the first both of comment. these have thousands, thousands of likes. Um, the, the first top comment, who's rewatching this because you miss the old days? <laughs> Yikes. And then uh, and then the second top comment, miss this type of wrestling. 
when they had a storyline. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got 1.5 thousand yeah. likes. Yeah, oh and the one before God. that, 3.6 or something? Jeez. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to number five, our high spot and low spot of the week. Um, look, I mean, like, I think I'll speak for everybody's low spot, even though I'm maybe somebody will have something different, but it's the uh, big E botch from SmackDown on Friday. I mean, it is a brutal, brutal botch to watch. My high spot coincidentally this week is that there's going to be no, no surgery required and there was no serious spinal cord damage, but, um, yeah, man, I mean, that was just fucking, I mean, the guy, you know, went from winning the WWE title to just having one of the toughest years that anybody's had in this, in this business while still being, you know, in the business and being on top, I guess. Um, I, I, I hope that they figure, I hope that he gets a big push when he comes back and he gets another title run when he comes back. Um, I, I do think that, you know, the one, one bright side of this whole thing is that like now, you know, now maybe he has a different shine on him because, you know, now, now it's like, you know, the company can get behind him for more because of the injury. And, you know, people see this as an injury. You know, this is an injury that for sure he was not responsible for. Um, I also want to say low spot. I mean, look, this is like, it's a weird to say this is a low spot, but like, man, Brett, you know, like another member of the Hart uh, family died this past week. Um, Ta- Tanya Hart, who. Is one of the grandchildren, and I, you know, I don't know the circumstances surrounding her death, but it, it seems very tragic. But like Brett then took it as a way to just destroy Smith Hart. He wrote, uh, my late brother Smith had many failings as a man, but being a father was the biggest failure, despite how hard he tried. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, Dan. Dan what this is a high spot that Brett <laughs> saw another reason to criticize somebody besides wrestling this means that (laughs) brett's going to therapy and it's working the fact that if you're mad at your brother because they weren't a good father as opposed to how they do a clothesline that's progress that is true (laughs) well that's true i didn't look at it that way mike what was your high spot low spot this week um you know yeah the i made the please do not sue me ridge holland or even worse uh suplex me um, I, uh, no, it's, it's, it's very unfortunate anytime that, um, black wrestlers get taken off the card because of injury and not Vince's booking. Um, you know, I, I just feel, yeah, it sucks. It was a cringy moment. Uh, and the fact that, that he seems like he'll be okay. Although I saw one doctor tweet out that he might he shouldn't wrestle again. He might have to retire or at least at the very least take like a edge level of time off. Uh, you know, sucks. I mean, and it would suck if it happened to Ridge or anybody, we don't want to see anyone get hurt. So that sucks. And obviously, you know, the, the Scott, the Scott Hall loss um, too. Uh, and then my high spot is control your narrative released their rules. <laughs> Did oh, you guys man. all see this? Oh yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it is. It's. Please uh, read them. Do you have it in front of you? Yes, I do, sir. Of course, I do. Let's do this. Is, is this how we should end the show? Does everyone else want to go around? And we should. All... We should come. We should come up with wrestle roasts rules in black and white. Yeah. Okay. Rules and regulations. Number one, you are in control. Number two, 
you are in control. So it's just the same thing, but in all caps with an exclamation point. Um, number three, fights end when you tap out, get knocked out, can't stand, or quit. Sanctioned matches, in parentheses, can end via pinfall. By the way, one of the rules isn't uh, don't talk about control your own narrative because most people are already following that. Uh, number four, <laughs> standard professional wrestling quotation uh rules apply for sanctioned matches quotation chaos ensues in the project pit number five why <laughs> scott will not be watching this show uh no hashtag super kicks no hashtag tope suicidas no hashtag canadian destroyers so that means they will never hire excalibur um number six the fight isn't with your opponent it is with yourself. Um, Dan has texted me that before. <laughs> uh, number seven, fights will go on as long as they have to. T-O-O. Uh, -O, so there's typos here. Control your narrative. Don't listen to your spell check. Uh, sanctioned <laughs> matches, in quotation, hit their times. And number eight, if you want to hashtag control your narrative, you have to fight. So, yeah, this just sounds like something a serial killer would write on their own skin. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, well, I mean, I think for Patreon, when, when is the first show? I think, no, I think had they had a show. I think they had a show already. They've had a show. Oh. Control your narrative. Book your nearest high school. I think is there. It was like it was like dimly lit. <laughs> you, you should, for, for Patreon, we should totally do a control your narrative show and even though like Rob only has like three friends left in this business. Robert, what's your highest? Oh, uh, oh, speaking of, 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 of losing friends, because I thought the dumbest thing we were going to talk about was going to be for the Patreon this weekend, Lucha Underground and control your narrative uh, stepped up big time to, to monopolize this conversation. Uh, it is, that's going to be, that's going to, you know what? Maybe we haven't, we haven't seen it yet. Maybe it's going to be incredible. Gosh. Come on. Maybe man. it's going to be as good as Raw <laughs> Underground or it's going to be as good as Impact Gut Check. This could be this could really turn this industry around. High spot, low spot. My, my low spot of the week because um, we covered other things. I would say the Butch naming. Um, I was not watching Smackdown Live because the only show I watch live is Raw to tweet it because that's what I do. Uh, and Scott texted, tell me if this is true. They changed <laughs> the Dunn's name to Butch, and immediately it led to us all sending pictures of Newsies. Um, it's just, it's so dumb that either it's brilliant, and this is going to be the best thing since Mad Cat Moss, or like this is this is the thing that's going to finally kill Hunter. Um, I don't know. Wait, way. wait. I mean, Mad Cat Moss could have killed Hunter. You just said the best thing since Mad Cat Moss. Oh, Mad Cat Moss is Dan's like favorite thing, thing on SmackDown. Slamming my dick in a door. And Mad Cat Moss is Robert's favorite thing since the Britt Baker theme song won. <laughs> <laughs> the, the doctor will see. <laughs> oh, her theme song is fantastic. It's, it's an, it's an all-timer. My, my pick was going to be the Orange Cassidy song because I don't like uh, pretty much anything they do. My, my high spot was with the Big E thing, number one, obviously the 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 fact that 
what he sustained. They said that based on the potential for this injury, the fact that he wasn't paralyzed, the fact that he will make a, a recovery from this, whether he wrestles again or not, it's a different story. But the outpouring of people for him and his videos, first of all, the video he recorded, like as soon as the accident happened and it was like, a, I'm going to be okay. Everyone like relax, go, go to sleep. And then his promo that he cut in the hospital bed is some of the best pure, just baby face. Like this is why everybody loves him and why everybody's always in favor of him. And for the last several months, WWE TV has not shown this side of Big E, but there is a natural warmth and an ability to connect with the audience. And he was engaging and, and fantastic with a neck brace worrying that, you know, this may be the end of his career. Uh, it, he was just, he was an absolute Look, just class act superstar. Well, I, I wanted to say this, like, obviously I, I don't think Ridge meant it or anything like that, but like, this is like after this and the Gargano thing, like, how can you justify putting this guy on TV for a while? You know, like, Wait, what did you do to Gargano? Oh, it was like, it was even worse than this as far as like how he landed him on his neck. You know, like it was really bad. I mean, like at this point, it's like, you know, it's not like I don't know. He's been around. So, I, so I did talk. To, I did to talk this. to some wrestlers about this because I wanted to get what their their take on it was. Number one, yeah, they put a lot of the blame on this on the agent. Like, don't put this guy in a situation where he's going to be doing this sort of overhead suplex. Let alone doing the overhead suplex on the outside of the ring, where he may not have the skill and the ability to do it. Uh, it, it never, he should never should have been put in that position to deliver that spot. And he should have spoken up and said, Hey, this isn't something I feel comfortable with doing. This wasn't a main event of SmackDown. This wasn't like the, the most important match that they've ever done. You didn't need that moment. This could have been a belly to belly. It could have been a safer way to do this than doing something. This, this particularly risky accidents happen in, in wrestling all the time, but you need to know your limitations and speak up on it. Because you, this could have been so much more tragic than it was, and it was avoidable. And I think that's the, the frustrating part of it. And it needs to be a, a collaborative piece, and it also needs to be a – you need to know your, your, your limits and your strengths. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. So maybe that's uh, – I, I just – you know, for me, I was just – that was just so brutal that – especially because, you know, we, we saw – the madcap drew one, which it just seemed like madcap took that the wrong way um, versus, you know, this guy didn't even get biggie up over him. I don't know, man. Um, Scott, what's your high spot low spot this week? Ooh, low spot. Tony Khan is not re-signing Joey Janela. No, I'm kidding. That's I, not my low spot. I don't care. He's <laughs> happy. He's happy not doing that. I don't care. Um, my low spot is Butch, man. I, I do not think we are talking about Butch as much as we should have this episode. There should have been like 15 minutes dedicated to Butch. He is everything that's wrong. Pete Dunn is such a great character, such a fun character. And I know technically he is still Pete Dunn, right? That's kind of how they debuted him. Like, I know he goes by another name, but when we hang out, we call we call him Butch. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess that makes sense, but I, I just think it's mortifying and embarrassing. And yeah, if Biggie didn't get hurt, that butch shit would have been it would have been four days of torching the butch gimmick. And 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 Pete is very lucky that that other things happened that night. I, I think it's. You, uh, you think, think he's gone in May? Do you think he's gone in May? Oh, that's interesting. I, 
No, I think I this know. gets him. I think this is what, and I think I, I texted this to you. I said the thing about this is at least it's getting him on TV, and he's going to get a a, a chance here because the idea was they were going to do a six man with Ridge, Sheamus, and, and Butch against the New Day. And I think done on a WrestleMania stage doing stuff with Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston is only going to increase his value. And it's oh, like, if you, I don't know, man. If, no, I, that, that is a glasses half full. It's a glasses half full because if sometimes you give somebody a stupid gimmick to appease Vince and then he sees them out there and he's like, oh, this guy's actually good. We can at least keep him employed and find uses for him. That's that's what happens sometimes when these guys get these lame gimmicks and they always say for decades, make the most of them. And if he could make the most of this and at least show them, hey, there's value. That's great. I'm happy Pete Dunne's going to stay employed. On the other hand, he he looks like a newsie and it's just well, that's the other thing. Nobody even dresses like that. It's just it's just like, what is this character? And there's so many of those characters where. It, it does not reflect the time. It reflects like classic literature. It's like, what the fuck are we doing? I say bad. like lean into it more. Like, my name is Butcher Tees. <laughs> oh yeah, he should sing for sure. He should. Uh, he should like yeah have chimney soot all over him. He uh, should live in a giant shoe. <laughs> hey, wait, you guys, you guys shit on it, but when they do Butch's shoe shine talk show segment in a few weeks, it's gonna be fucking fantastic. Oh man, Butch's shoe shine is gonna be amazing. I can't wait for that. If he comes in at Mania on an umbrella, we would all lose it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, now I'm starting to think it's a good idea after your guys, after your guys' pitches. Like, I, I think I've gone a complete 180 on this. Right, um, ready for this? Can we also yeah. admit well, the wait. bruiser weight was always a terrible nickname? Well, I'm <laughs> terrible. Yes, yes, maybe. But speaking of bruiser, this is exactly this is my high spot. And it was going to be Will Ospreay uh, beating the shit out of Sonata today at the New Japan Cup and then challenging Moxley later. Uh, yeah, it, that'll be very cool. But this high spot is Tony Khan. OK, he tweeted this at 648 today. <laughs> he wrote. San Antonio fans were amazing for Dynamite, and they'll bring that great energy to AEW Rampage tomorrow night after March Madness. Before Bruiser Brody was killed in 1988, my friend <laughs> Keith Mitchell had plans with Brody to open a San Antonio territory, which could have been really cool. That's it. He's fucking <laughs> Meltzer. But he's so bad at segues, I don't know how he's not hosting this show. He's a Meltzer clone, man. They need to take away his login. I love it. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's our that's our show for this week. Uh, if you're a patron, we're going to be talking the first two episodes of Lucha Underground, which you can get for free on Tubi, America's premier streaming service. For QT uh, yeah, Marshall documentaries. I'm sure it'll be fun to talk about. I actually, you know, Robert's nervous. He's going to, I guess alienate his friend or whatever who, who produced it, but I thought there was some good stuff on the show, so I, I can I can speak to that. I, apparently, it, it doesn't really jump the shark until later seasons, but I don't know. Um, this is the first time I watched it. Uh, we are also, like I said, the week after going to be doing the rest the weird styles of fighting, which I'm going to I'm going to send you guys during Dynamite next week. I'll probably I don't think I have a show, so I'll be I'll be tweeting. I'm going to I'll, I'll, I'll tweet you guys the clips. We're going to watch on Patreon throughout Dynamite uh, for the weird fighting style show. Um, also, uh, I'm back doing stand-up, folks. Hey! Uh, Saturday night, I'm going to be at the stand. Sunday night, I'm going to be at the Fat Black Pussycat, which is a 
uh, room of the Comedy Cellar. Um, Monday night, I think I'm at the Comedy Cellar in Stand Up New York. Tuesday, New York Comedy Club. And next thir- Thursday, Fat Black again. Anyway, I'm doing Brooklyn Comedy Club next Friday. I'm doing a lot of shows. I'm, I'm back to doing shows and I'm trying to do mostly new shit. So come uh, check it out. I actually like stand up again. Uh, and if you've heard me on other podcasts, I've sound suicidal about it. So uh, anyway, um, geez, I re- I'm really good at plugging myself. Scott? Oh, Scott underscore Chaplin on Instagram and Twitter. Also, WrestleRoast on Twitter. Also, type up WrestleRoast on ProWrestlingTees.com. Buy our merch. Robert, we also got new merch, right, that maybe you could plug right now. Bam. That's, that's what I was going to plug. Uh, we have a link through Teespring, the AEW uh, parody It's Dope shirt. Uh, there's a shirt. There's a mug. There's a sweatshirt. It all looks great. It was all banned from pro wrestling tees because they are in Tony Khan's pocket and they will not accept any parody of any AEW uh, anything uh, because they don't want to rock the boat. So, you know, thank you, Tony Khan, for, for blocking us on there. But we are on, on Teespring. The link is up on the Facebook page. I'm sure we'll tweet it out. And, and as I'll always, put it on if Instagram you too after throw this. it up on Instagram. And as always, if you if you purchase one of the, the shirt or the sweatshirt or the, the mug, uh, one of us will uh, will give you a call and, and say thank you because you are the best friends in uh, in all of wrestling. Twitter are forbidden dorks. And uh, also, I guess you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. Mike. Um, I just want to say I love that that Scott said, what, what's Tony Khan? He's a Meltzer now. So that is officially the new word for autism. Um, I, I uh, <laughs> I've also was diagnosed with being a Meltzer last year. Uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, Mike Lawrence comedy, and I'm I'm doing yeah I'm doing stand up a bit again too. I was at South by this week, and I'm gonna be at the Belly Room, at the Comedy Store on Saturday night at the eight o'clock show. Hell yeah! Nice, yeah. The room packed is awesome. All right, folks. Oh, and most importantly, Zach, wash your hands. Wash your damn hands. We'll see you next week, folks. <laughs>